0: Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're with us as we continue on in a study we're doing called Disciples Heart. Now, this study is, uh, is based on a question that Jesus was asked, and, and we're 17 weeks in now, so by now you're tired of my introduction, I'm sure. I was talking about this with my wife. I said, I think I'll shorten the introduction. She goes, really? So, uh, <laughs> that's a sign that she was right so I'm trying to cut it back anyway the, uh, the thing was Jesus asked this question what's the most important commandment I said he was being asked what's the most important thing love God with all your heart mind, soul and strength love your neighbor as yourself was the response and uh, I've said that's kind of the foundation for living as a disciple we've made it as simple as we can what we encourage you to do be thankful for at least five things that gets us loving God well as we think about how much he loves us and, and encourage at least two people every day and then uh Live. You love yourself. The best way to love yourself is by doing the next right thing. And so we're encouraging everyone to do those on a regular basis. The reality is we get to the end of the day oftentimes, and we figure out that even though that was pretty simple and we should have been there, we didn't make it. We weren't uh, thankful at all. In fact, we spent most of the day complaining. Uh, We didn't encourage anybody. uh, And we certainly didn't do the next right thing throughout the day. So we kind of have missed what we were shooting at. And, you know, things come up. I get it. We get, uh, we get tired. We get frustrated. Our sin gets in the way. Our issues, other people's sin gets in the way. Um, things happen. And so what we've said is important is, is to take it a little deeper. And so we've called it a primer. And we've, we're talking about developing, developing a disciple's heart. In reality, we're, we're trying to um, encourage you to embrace uh, some, some very practical spiritual disciplines. Uh, I've, I've waited till the last couple of weeks to even use that term very often, because people, sometimes when they hear the word discipline, it makes them move away from what they need to do. But you're, we're, we're disciples, and, and it's the same word, disciple and discipline, all the same word. It's just about getting better connected to God, because that's where we find life. And so we need to slow down a little bit, we need to take some time to get focused on who he is, to get better connected, to get more thankful, to do all those things. And so we're we're working through some sections of scripture together to help do that. We we talked about getting focused in Hebrews ten, nineteen through twenty five, and the the amazing access we have to the throne room and how cool that is and the and the hope. That, that we profess, you know, uh, it, it says, let us hold on swervingly to the hope we profess. And if you have these scriptures, uh, you'll find yourself, I think, pondering them. That's what happens to me all the time. Um, like today, I was thinking, I spent a lot of time thinking this morning about that one verse. Let us hold on swervingly to the hope we profess. Because I, I started thinking about this, that hope um, is kind of slippery sometimes and And I had that whole thought because I was kind of going through some issues and things that were happening and uh in the shower, and I dropped the soap and um in in i have i in, in my home it's an older home and um uh, the the bath it's a nice home but the bathtub doesn't have one of those um those things that actually stop it that belongs in that hole all the time in the thing, you know what I mean in the It does this with the... You hit that button and the thing amazingly goes down. Well, if you have an older home, you don't have that piece anymore. At some point in time, it broke and you got rid of it. And you realize you could live without it. Because they make little rubber things that you can put on there. And if you need them, you're good. But when you take a shower, you don't have that. Anyway, if if the soap slips (laughs) out of your hand, and if the soap is small enough, it disappears down that hole and it's gone altogether. So I've probably given you way too much information. But I thought that... um, in the process, that uh, I was, I was thinking that, see, that soap sometimes is a little hard to hold on to, but it's, you know, it's really neat. The soap, you know, cleans you and does all sorts of, you know, it's very, very helpful. Hope we're supposed to hold on to it unswervingly, and yet, you know, life is always trying to knock it out of our hands, to, to cause us to drop it and, and to lose it, and so we gotta we gotta hang on to that hope, you know, the hold on. And that's why that's why the, the writer said, hold on unswervingly. To the hope that we have in Christ, just hang on, and, and if it feels like it's slipping, get a hold of it and, and hang on to it. Anyway, uh, I just think as you ponder those verses as a disciple, that they help you in the process of life to deal with all the stuff that sort of comes up against us. And so we've we've talked about getting focused, we've talked about getting thankful in Philippians four four through eight. Now we're talking about getting connected as we look at the Lord's prayer together, and in and Matthew uh, six nine through thirteen. And I've said that the Lord's prayer. It's more than just words to recite or repeat, that it's a, it's a guide, if you would. It's a very helpful tool to help us stay on track as we pray. And that um, I find oftentimes if I don't have something sort of to, to keep me on track as I pray, I start to think instead of pray. And my mind wanders. Maybe you don't have that issue, but my mind will just go off. And it's not even on good deep things. I just start thinking about silly things, and, and I'm no longer praying. I've, I've gone into something different. And so the Lord's Prayer helps me to kind of stay on track with uh, the things that, that I'm to pray. You know, we start our Father uh, in heaven, hallowed be your name, and, and to connect with him as, as our heavenly Father, that we're his children. And I begin to pray in, in my prayer in those, uh, along that line, and it's it very helpful in, in you know, thinking about how amazing that relationship is that I have with him and what that means. And then, you know, from there we, we, we move on... Um, into the prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, that That's a very great part of the prayer to go to. We've talked a little bit about the kingdom of God and what it means and, and his will uh, in our lives. And that we want him to be in charge, not us. And it's a great sort of prayer area every day, I find, to to continue in that process. And then give us... Today, our daily bread, and we spent a lot of time on that last week. The kingdom implication of that is is not only for our natural needs, but for our spiritual needs. Um, asking that the kingdom of God um, the, that's, that's coming to break through into today, and, and what that means for us, and how important that is, and, and uh, what, a, what a big dynamic that is for us to understand. And we, we talked about that, that last week. This week, we're talking about forgiveness. And... Uh, um, Forgiveness, you know, at least once a day is something you need to ponder, if not more often, uh, about how much forgiveness we need and then forgiving others. And that it's a huge part of the life of a believer is the idea of forgiveness. And because we're, we're to be a grace-filled people, there's something about forgiveness that is, is probably one of the most um, representative facets of grace forgiveness it's it's grace in action it's the expression of grace it's all about forgiveness and so we we have to think about forgiveness often and pray about forgiveness and i know it's uh, you know when i get to this part in the prayer every day um, i get very serious and we'll look at that and and I, i stop and ask god to really search me to know what i'm supposed to to move into in that process we're going to touch on those things today about prayer but i saw this i thought you might like scientists at a washington washington think tank met with three not very bright people to try and determine how their brains worked or didn't work and function. And, and so they brought the three into the room and they said, hey, what's three times three to the first one? And the, the first not real bright person said 247. And they moved on to the, the second one and they asked him the same question. What's three times three? And he answered Tuesday. So they turned to the third guy, who wasn't very smart, and they said, well, what's 3 times 3? And he paused for a moment and thought, and then he said, 3 times 3 is 9. And the scientist went, well, that's correct. How did you figure that out? It was easy, the guy replied. He said, I just subtracted 247 from Tuesday. That's a great joke. (laughs) Douglas? Sorry. I know. See, that's what I was shooting for. Thank you very much. (laughs) Stunned silence. (laughs) I was all done after I, uh, you know, the, the, the best joke I've ever told here is what did one snowman say to the other? Do you smell carrots? Once you've used that joke, you can't. There's nothing better than that joke. It's the classic joke. Because it just lays on people, and then when they get it, they're like... "Ah." So there's no coming back from that. It's a snowman joke. I did uh, hear recently about Frosty the snowman, and how he was in the produce section at a store, and uh, people stood around and they were amazed as he uh, walked around the produce section uh, picking his nose. Fran? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I should give everybody one of those signs when they come in with a number on it. <laughs> Have people sit in a special row and hold up the numbers. Okay. So... uh we're looking at Matthew six, talking about getting connected, talking about God as Father, talking about his kingdom and his will in our lives, talking about the significance of bread, the connection with the kingdom of God. Today we're looking at Matthew six, twelve, we're going to talk about forgiveness. The scripture reading for today is Luke six, thirty seven and thirty-eight, out of the message paraphrase. And it says this don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life, you'll find life given back. But not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting is the way. Generosity begets generosity. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Hold that in context that we talk today about forgiveness. Matthew 6:12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our sins, forgive us our trespasses, the same concept throughout forgive us uh, our sins, God, as we forgive those who've sinned against us now there 's two parts to forgiveness: receiving forgiveness and extending forgiveness or uh, what 's in this part of this prayer and and we 're going to talk about them both let 's start by talking about receiving forgiveness, which is vitally important because um, guilt and shame are weapons and tools of the enemy that he uses to keep it, to try and keep us away from connecting with God. Um, because if we, are, if we are overwhelmed with a sense of guilt or shame because of the things we've done, we have a tendency not to want to run into the most holy place and be with a holy God. Even though we're in Christ and that's not how God sees us, it's, it's a powerful tool uh, of the enemy if we allow it to be guilt and shame. And receiving forgiveness um, knocks out guilt and shame in our lives so so we need to receive that forgiveness so how do you receive forgiveness a couple of things i like to do in this part of the prayer in a very practical way first thing i like to do is i and is consider i actually stop at this part of the prayer and i consider and this is a great verse for it psalm 139 23 and 24 search me O god and know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts, see if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I literally stop at this point of the prayer every day, and I I lay that in there. I say, Lord, would you just search my heart right now? And would you just show me anything that I've got in there that I need to get straight with you? I I don't want to have anything um, hanging out there. I I don't want to have anything going on. And, And so if I'm forgetting anything, Lord... Show me. Spirit of God, search me. And and if there's anything that I need to get straight with you, reveal it to me. And God is so faithful. The Spirit of God is so faithful in that, that if I'll just sit there for a moment and consider it, things will pop up that I need to get straight with Him and ask for forgiveness for. And ask Him to forgive me. And, and move into that process. But if I, you know, if you don't take time, a lot of times you'll let a lot of stuff slip that's going on that you really need to deal with. It's not guilt. It's not shame. Not a performance issue. Don't need to pretend or hide. God knows everything that we do. Uh, it's just getting that stuff straight with Him, on a regular basis. And I think every day is good. Sometimes it's for me. It's often throughout the day. I need to go back and get forgiveness. So I, I consider. I ask the Lord to help me with that. And then I confess. The things that pop up. That's point number two. Um, and, and this is how I get his, his uh, mercy and grace in my life. Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So I, I've got this stuff out there and I've, I know these things need to be dealt with. And, and in order to receive forgiveness, I have to confess it. To the Lord. Now, the, the word in the Greek for confess is homo logeo, which literally means the same word. And, and here's where you need to make sure you grasp the concept. Um, f- confession isn't going to God and say, I'll never do it again. Because you, you can't usually live up to that one anyway. That's not confessing your sin. God, I'll never do that again. Confession is really saying, you're right, God and what I did was wrong. You're right. I was wrong. Your word was right. I was wrong. You had the right choice. I made the wrong one. You're right. I'm wrong. It's agreeing with God and His word. That's what confession means. That's what you're getting to uh, in the process. Your sin is there, and you're you're not saying, I'll never do it again. You're saying, God, you're right. I'm wrong. And ask Him to forgive you, and empower you then not to do it again. I mean, that's the goal. Uh, And hopefully over time, you find that... uh, you make progress with these things in your life. Because uh, some people, see, this is where they get stuck and they think, well, you know, I've already, I've already thought I already dealt with it. But if you still kind of rampant in your life, it means you need to get in there and keep dealing with it. And, and, and that when you confess it, you mean it. God, you're right. I'm wrong. And it's not something that I should continue. Help me, Lord. And he does. And so that's the first part of receiving forgiveness. And once you've gone and done that, you need to know, we talk about this a lot, that God loves you, He's for you, He's with you, he's, he's not out to get you, He restores you, and He says, okay, now go out and live it by doing the next right thing. And if we mess up, we go back and do it again. Does that mean we take it for granted? No. His grace for granted? No. Does that mean we think, okay, I can just do whatever I want, doesn't matter because I can run? Of course not. If you have that attitude you really haven't figured out, the heart of a disciple which is we want to do uh, the best that we can for the Lord in this life, um, because that's where life is found. And so we move through this process all the time. So 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We're forgiven, new start, brand new, all is well, we move on. It, it keeps the enemy from the tools of guilt and shame, keeps us on track, knowing that we need him in the process, but agreeing with him and his word as a way to, to move along and not continue to do the same things over and over again. So this is a pretty regular process. Um, I, I tell you, it's you know every day I stop. Every morning This is I really stop and get quiet because I don't want to carry stuff around in me. Because as a believer, if you don't get forgiveness down, it impacts like every other area of your life significantly if you don't receive forgiveness it really messes up your connection with God and if you don't receive forgiveness you won't extend forgiveness and if you don't extend forgiveness you end up getting bitter and it and then it impacts everybody around you so it's a huge part of the life of a disciple so we receive forgiveness and then as we receive forgiveness we're to extend forgiveness how do we do that see God has forgiven me so I have to forgive others um, we live in a fallen world, we talk about this a lot, and so we're going to hurt people, and people are going to hurt us. Our selfishness and other people's selfishness will cause us all a lot of pain. Uh, but we have to be able to forgive those people that have hurt us, um, and, and we can't really even begin to do that often time until we realize how much we've been forgiven, and that we've received God's mercy and grace in our own lives. And as we do that, then it can flow through us and extend to others. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. But now here we go, and here we get to the big question about forgiveness. Why is it so difficult to forgive people that have hurt us? And as I say this, I always say this very cautiously, because some people have been... Um, their level of, of in hurt that they've suffered at the hands of others is so extreme and over the top that they often stop here and go, I can't forgive those. That's, um, that will never be forgiven. And so I want to approach this understanding that and then maybe uh, hoping, helping you to understand what forgiveness is as we move through this. So the problem that we often have is we have a wrong view of justice and forgiveness. I'm going to read to you out of the Scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It's Matthew 20. Uh, it's too many verses to put in the notes. Verses 1 through 16. It's one of my favorite parables in the Scripture in dealing with forgiveness, justice, and injustice. And, and when I read it to you, I want you to have an honest take on it about how it makes you feel, what happens, because it's a perfect picture of the way that we view justice and injustice in the world. Uh, so verse 1, Matthew chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to have men work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour did the same thing. About the eleventh hour he went out and found still others standing around. he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? No one is hired, is the answer. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last one hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired, about the eleventh hour, came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to, of us who, to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money, or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now, here's why I love this parable. Because if you're honest with yourself, and, and you deal with yourself in a, in a very natural way, if you had worked all this day in the heat that we had today, all day long, you bore the heat of the work, even though when you started the day, you were agreed to get paid, call it $100. bucks. i will pay you 100 bucks to work for the day. You were happy to have the job, and you worked all day for 100 bucks, and it was a good deal. But these people kept coming while you were working, the last guys who showed up for this job worked about an hour. Now, when it comes time to get paid, they start with the guys who had just showed up and they pay them first. Guess what they get paid? A hundred bucks. They worked an hour. You worked all day in the heat. So when it's time for you to get paid, you think, well, he's a, that's a good dude. He's paying them a hundred bucks. I worked all day. I, I should get ten times what they got. I worked ten times as much. I should get way more money. And and yet the guy hands you the hundred bucks that he said he was going to pay you when you started the day that you were thankful for. Do you get that you would not really be settled in that? If you're honest with yourself, I I know how I would feel. I would feel that that was an injustice, that that was wrong. Looking at it from my point of view, that's wrong. Yeah, I know I agreed to it, but now it feels like you've changed the rules on me here because that guy worked an hour. I would rather be that guy. Do you get it? Okay, see, that's, that's our sense of justice and injustice kicking up. It doesn't seem right, it doesn't seem fair, because we've been doing it this way, we've been doing it right, we did what we were supposed to do, and yet that guy has kind of skated along, and, and he's, still, he's still receiving this amazing generosity, well, that doesn't sit right with us. Okay, when we've been wronged, really wronged, we, we want justice, that's what we want. It's part of who we are. Just by reading that story, I, you, right away, you want justice. You don't like injustice. When someone's wronged you, what your what your response is? You want them to pay for it. You want them to uh, have some sort of consequence. You want them to to suffer or do something. And so we have this thought that if we withhold forgiveness, somehow we're making them pay, and that's where we get in trouble. So what we have to do when we've been wronged is, third, you have to give it to God. You have to quit trying to get even, and you have to let God handle the justice. You have to know that God is better at justice than you are. He's the very best. Romans twelve nineteen: Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Right, with that in mind, let me explain what forgiveness is not. Um, Forgiveness does not mean instant restoration of trust. This is the other place where we get stuck. So, so let's say that you've been wronged by someone, and and I'm, I'm talking now about extensive wrongs. I'm not talking about little petty stuff. I'm talking about wronged people's stories. Sometimes I say, you know, I've heard stories that people have gone through in their lives that I, I don't even know how they're still walking around because the the. Hurt that's been caused them, the abuse inflicted upon them is so massive that I, I don't know how they do it, and I get their reluctance to forgive the person that did that to them. However, um, God commands us to forgive as we've been forgiven, um, and so forgiveness is supposed to be something that's instant. Trust, however, is is something that's rebuilt over time. Forgiveness is based on grace. Trust is built on works. So now some people are withholding forgiveness because they think if I forgive someone, that means everything just goes back to the way it was. I'm just opening myself up to the same level of pain and hurt and abuse that I've been receiving. And that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is... uh, I'm just going to let this whole thing go. I've been hanging on to it. I want revenge. I want my format of justice. I want to get even. I've been holding on to this mess deep inside me. And and instead of doing that, I'm just going to let God have it now. But that doesn't mean that everything goes back the way it was. It means I'm going to give it to God. That's forgiveness. Trust has to be re-earned. Now, if someone has wronged you and they want to be and have a relationship restored to you, they have to demonstrate repentance, and rebuild trust, which takes time. It's not an issue of forgiveness. See, because we're supposed to forgive them in the Lord, you forgive people. Because this happens all the time. You've heard it by people who don't want to demonstrate repentance. And they want everything back the way it is, even though they've wronged somebody. They say, well, I thought you forgave me. Well, I have forgiven you. But I don't trust you. And it's not going back to the way it was until I see that you've actually repented, which means you've made significant change in your life. And that's going to take time. Trust takes time to rebuild, it just does. You can't re- just, when someone has violated your trust, you, you, you shouldn't just go, oh, no problem, and let it happen again. That means nobody's learning anything. But it doesn't mean you withhold forgiveness. It means you're forgiven, and here's an opportunity, perhaps, for relationship to be restored. But. You're going to have to want to enough that you demonstrate change over time. And it's not as simple as, well, I thought you forgave me. Again, I'm talking about big stuff now. See, part of it is, if someone has wronged you horrendously, um, God's given you wisdom not to put yourself back in that situation just because you've forgiven them unless they've changed. God doesn't want you to get continually wronged. That's not what God wants for you. He wants you to have life. Good life. Full life. Not to be in that situation. But he doesn't want you carrying it around. Uh, either, in unforgiveness, because unforgiveness only hurts you. See, that's the bottom line of this stuff. That's why it's so important. You have to rest in His grace. That's the fourth point. You have to rest in His grace. If, if I don't rest in His grace, and remember, forgiveness, I've said, is a, an expression of His grace, and give the people that have hurt me over to God, I become bitter, and my life then has a negative impact on everybody that I'm in relationship with. As well as me, Hebrews twelve fifteen. See to it that no one misses the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble, and defile many. If if I allow unforgiveness to um, take hold of my life, the, the only person that that impacts well, it impacts me and the people around me. The thing is, it doesn't have any impact on the person that perpetrated the wrong in the first place. They just don't care. And yet I'm sitting here getting bitter and angry and holding on to this stuff, and they don't care. And so so the, the thing that you have to do is is uh, you have to let them go. You have to let it go to God. You just say, I'm not going to carry it anymore. That way, they, then you stop them from having that constant thing in you, that, that constant jab, that constant knife, that constant bleh feeling. Uh, and, and, and we have to work our way through that. Um, See, I can't connect to God and the others and, and the, others the way I want until I've really grabbed a hold of the idea of forgiveness. So I actually think about it this way. So I've already asked God to search me to, to make sure that, you know, the stuff that I've done that I'm, I'm getting forgiven for and, and working on that. And then in that second part, I, I start thinking and asking God to show me. And if there's people that pop up into my mind and I have that uncomfortable feeling about, um, it means that I haven't yet forgiven them. And I need to process through that some more. And, and, and you know, if, I, if it's like I, well, I, I don't want to see or anything else, it means I've got to just process this to the point where they don't continue to have that impact on me because I'm empowering them to continue to inflict their hurt on me at a, at a, at a different level. And so I want to keep processing that back through. One of the things I've, I've discovered is when I can seriously begin to pray for people that have wronged me again, I've, I'm coming in a good direction. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm making progress. Um, and I mean, and pray for them in a good way. Not pray that, you know, they get, that a tornado comes and only wipes them out. <laughs> oh, don't think you've never thought about that. I mean, God, could you bring a tornado <laughs> and run it down the neighborhood and only take out that house? with them in it so that everybody knows that they've wronged me. <laughs> and it, it doesn't work that way. It's not, it's not how it works. You have to go, God, it's on you. I'm just giving it to you. I'm not going to let them have any more negative impact in my life by withholding forgiveness. I'm giving them to you. And, and it doesn't mean I'm going to trust them. I may never trust them again. I may never put myself back in relationship with them again because they're not trustworthy. And, and that's a perfectly... Safe boundary. That's not a lack of forgiveness. Because you've already given them the gut. I've forgiven you. I'm just not going to carry you around inside me anymore in bitterness. I'm just not going to do it. So we let them go in that. This is a huge part of the life of a disciple. And so I want to encourage you to take a hold of it and make sure you're thinking about it and moving through forgiveness on a regular basis every day. I'm going to stop there. For today, something else to think about, consider, and uh, have you pray about and, and really keep this point. It's a very important part of the life of a disciple receiving, and extending forgiveness. Amen? Amen. Okay, if you're watching my video, thank you so much. If you're on television, wherever watching us, we appreciate you. We know how valuable your time is. Thank you for spending these moments with us. Hit the website if you need anything from us, and we'll see what we can do. We'll be praying for you. So God bless you all.